objective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Jared and I will cover a little bit of... Um, would you call this Australian fare, Jared? Because this was primarily shot here in Australia, correct? Yeah. Uh, it's and pretty most close. Australian actors, I think. Yeah, yeah, a fair few. It was shot in Melbourne. Yes. And Lee Wynell is obviously from Melbourne, so it's pretty close. Yeah. I would say it was an Australian film. We're talking about Upgrade from 2018. But before we get to that, let's do a little bit of a run-through of what we've been watching. Just letting everyone know, too, we've got a little letterboxed account. So if you do want to check out some, perhaps sometimes some deeper thoughts on some of these films that we've watched, we're we're putting some content on there. So um, check us out if you get the chance. Now, Jared, what have you been watching, mate? I continued on a little bit of Dolph Lundgren that we, uh, you know, we mentioned last time that I'd watched uh, Dark Angel. I moved on to the Joshua Tree this time. Right. And how so, was the Joshua Tree? Yeah, look, it was pretty standard. <laughs> pretty standard action stuff there. Wasn't bad. Enjoyable enough, but go back to it in a hurry. I got onto the Blob. Ah, yes. Rewatched the Blob, which I hadn't watched in a while. I had the Blu-ray sitting there, so myself and our friend Maddie uh, chucked it on and had a look, and fuck, it held up very well. I enjoyed it very much so. Maddie did too, so that's a big, big stamp of approval there for the Blob. Yeah, I watched the Wraith with uh, <laughs> Charlie Sheen and Sherilyn Fenn and uh, Clint Howard. How so how did the Wraith stand up? Yeah, not. Not great. It was okay. It was okay. If you like a lot of car chases, you'd probably be pretty happy, but it was it was a a revenge sort of of film, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of a revenge kind of flick, a couple of sort of supernatural elements in there and look, it wasn't terrible. The 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 stunts and the 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 driving sequences and that were pretty pretty well handled, but um just just probably depends how much of that you're looking for as to your enjoyment level, I suppose. (laughs) Randy Quaid also has a prominent role there. (laughs) In that one, so yeah, a stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah, a stamp of approval. Well, that straight was away that there. was Randy when he was still with us. <laughs> Correct. That was Randy before he'd sort of dived headlong in off the deep end. Yeah. Um, so obviously, me and you have got a got a little conversation to have about um, some Halloween movies, but uh, yeah, I punched out a few in the series. I jumped onto H2O again, thoroughly enjoyed, as I normally do when I'm watching that one, and I went straight into Resurrection, straight Ooh. after that. So, look, things didn't improve there. They're still so pretty, still pretty shaky. It is not one of the better efforts. No. Not, not close. Yeah, a bit of a shame because I felt it had a couple of decent decent ideas, especially, you know, when you read Taking Shape and you look at where they wanted to go with it. Mm. There was probably some ideas there that could have worked out, but the end result is just, yeah, it's just very ordinary. Look, looking back on that picture, and I haven't watched it in a while, but Buster Rhymes is the best and worst thing about the film because he kind of seems to be, I don't know, hamming it up. Uh, which is what the film sort of kind of requires in some capacity. But Mm. then also he seems to be kind of the heroic character, which he doesn't 
really fulfill. Mm. Um, it's a real strange sort of mix as to what he's doing there. That seemed like a producer's call. Yeah. That they wanted more. They reshot to put more of him in there. Yeah, I would suggest yes. He was considered kind of like the star, uh, even though he's not really in it that much, if I remember rightly. He's no, only he's not. In it he's for not about in it thirty minutes deal. or something like that. But yeah, his role got beefed up. So there was reasons they were making those calls. But uh, I mean, just in general, the movie just sucks. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say, really. You have no other. Yeah, you have nothing. You can't possibly provide any further light on um, it, it, it improved in any manner. I won't expand any further at this time, but it certainly didn't improve. So, yeah. I finally watched the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah. Because that showed up on stand for us. Now, I'd been looking to check it out for a while because the premise is quite intriguing and there was some creepy parts to it but I think the end result's pretty highly overrated. Yeah. I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I jumped into a couple of series that I'm sort of watching all the way through again. The first one's X-Men. So I got on I, I checked out uh, X-Men, X2 and and the last stand. The first one's probably actually not as good, and I think that might just be aging a little in comparison to to things that have come after it that are probably a little bit better. Mm. It's still still enjoyable, still very enjoyable, but it's probably probably come down a peg. X two, I still think is is right up there with the best in the series. Not quite the best, but it's right up there. And um, the last stand. Yeah, again, this that's another one that I don't need to go too deep into because people kind of know where that where that is, and I, I believe that's, that's where it's rated is where it should be. Yeah. And the other series I'm working through is uh, Hellraiser. Yeah. So I skipped Hellraiser one because we'd watched it fairly recently, but um, I watched Hellbound, Hellraiser two, and I watched Hell on Earth. And how do they stack up? Because I haven't seen either of them in a long time, but I remember enjoying them both. Hellraiser two was was okay. Like I, I didn't. Uh, I know some people like it as much as the first one. I, I thought it would, probably wasn't there, but I did kind of like that they tried to expand the mythology a little bit and having the uh, uh, what's her name Kirsty from the original one. What back was a good move. Overall, yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. But yeah, Hellraiser three, it's okay as a kind of. Slashery, sort of horror kind of fair, but it's sort of just you establish this stuff in one and two, and then it kind of goes the opposite way. Like things that are supposed to work in one and two, then there's sort of no reason for, for Pinhead to be where he is at the end of or at the start of three, and then a couple of the Xenobites that I oh know there's a few, you know, it's, I'm not the first one to have these opinions. A lot of people have kind of gone on record about the Xenobites that, that are created by, you know, the bloke with the camera and the fucking CD head Xenobite. Mm. <laughs> like, interesting, but I wouldn't say they were totally successful. But, yeah, it was it was okay. I, I wasn't expecting to like them that much because I had never been, from what I'd seen of, of Pinhead and the, and the crew previously, they were never one of my sort of favourite Series, so to go back and and go from the start and check them all out again, it's a bit of fun and it, it's probably holding up a lot better than I was anticipating. 
Well, if you continue on, you're, you're about to hit some rough yeah. seas, I think it'd be fair to well, say. Well, I'm starting to get into territory of, you know, regularly taking a script and going, fuck, let's chuck Hellraiser in that somehow. And uh, yeah. that happened a number of times, I believe. So, yeah, I'm just about to, I'm just about to plumb the depth. Because well, I remember seeing one that was on Netflix and it was, I think, like midway through that second patch and it was found footage. <laughs> it had pinhead in it. Fucking hell. Yeah. I Can't wait for that one. How does, how, does this, how does this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they found the footage in the head of the fucking camera Xenobite. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it how was, that works. It was some strange, strange stuff, if I remember correctly. So anything else? That was it? No, that was it. All right. I checked out uh, a film on Shutter called Mayhem, mm-hmm. um, which kind of interestingly had some um, some things similarly mirroring the current pandemic situation, mm. uh, which I thought was interesting, and it was a bit of a ripper. I enjoyed it. It was, it was really, really good. I put a review up on Letterboxd. The two main actors, Stephen Yeun, who was in The Walking Dead, and Samara Weaving, absolutely fantastic. Like, they're really, really good. It's yeah. super over the top, got a little bit of dark humour in it. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's, it's it's definitely worth one uh, worth checking out, um, especially if you've got Shutter, for the few of us have got it. <laughs> After that, I went deep diving into Charles Bronson territory Ooh. on Stan, and I went with Tender Midnight, uh, Messenger of Death, and Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Right, so you went all the best ones. All the best ones. Look, Messenger of Death was kind of the old one out because it's kind of serious, <laughs> which <laughs> kind of well, surprised that matches, me. Uh, that matches Charles's face. It was very... <laughs> That's his one mode, isn't it? Yeah, and it was kind of serious. It had this whole tone of... This family is murdered and it's kind of like a ritualistic killing and all this kind of stuff. And then there's corruption and, and behind-the-scenes machinations. And he's a reporter who's, of course, becomes a vigilante. <laughs> a reporter. It was a bit strange. I mean, I could buy him as an architect. Not a, not well, sure about a reporter. Well, I'm going to go with I couldn't buy him as an architect in Death Wish <laughs> Well, an architect of death, I could. I, I have could never laughed so hard in Death Wish Four when he in was a sequence. There's a sequence where he kind of sneaks into a party as a as a, as a barber or something. Yeah. And then he goes to the toilet and he sees them kill somebody, and then I don't know he farts or <laughs> or he trips over something in the bathroom, <laughs> and they come in and they look at him and they go. What are you doing here? <laughs> Just to have Charlie Bronson give it the old dog music in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Great and stuff. Because, like, yeah, they're gangsters. I just assumed he's a witness. Let's kill him. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. All right, you didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, let the man finish. <laughs> <laughs> so Death Wish 4 had its... Kind of, I guess you'd say, if I was going to say something about Death Wish 4, it kind of had its its charms because it's so silly. They're always funny to watch because they are just, I mean, they get so silly very quickly, those movies. But the the real jewel in the crown is Tender Midnight. 
I mean, it is just... This dude is dead set running around nude. Like, he's <laughs> committing murders in the nick. And... <laughs> it... It, there's a sequence that I, I could, for some reason, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't have really been laughing at this because it was nothing. It wasn't really that funny. But there's a scene where there's a scene where Bronson's goes to meet his daughter, and she works at. She's a nurse, a, a student nurse, and so they're in the commissary getting lunch, and so they're walking down the line, you know, picking things up and putting it on their trays, yeah. and they're having a conversation. It's her and Bronson and his partner. So this scene goes on for about three or four minutes. They're having this, basically it's a pretty nondescript conversation about something. And then Charles gets to the front to pay. And then he, he looks he looks down and he goes, Ah, oh, I've got quiche and coleslaw. I hate quiche. And coleslaw, <laughs> the coleslaw makes me vomit. And then he just turns <laughs> around and heads back to change it. <laughs> oh my god! What was okay. that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds like a well well scripted bit of work there. Yeah, and it's it's just it has got it's got everything in the canon sort of sleaze bag of sleaze. You know, it's got nudity. It's got lewd, <laughs> I can't say uh, I lewd can't vocals. Say, I can't say I've come across. Nude killer before. <laughs> yeah, and he is dead set. There's a sequence where he's chasing Bronson's daughter down the down the road in the dark, and in silhouette, he's all fellow. <laughs> what? So how's he killing people? Oh, he's stabbing whacking, him. Whacking but, him with yeah. his old fellows. <laughs> he's stabbing him. But <laughs> he just. At one point, he kills a woman in like a state park, and he's he's dressed in he's dressed in a pair of runners and some rubber gloves, and that's it. I've got to check it out. Oh, oh and, my and god! What I, what, I, I had to laugh further because I quickly checked the trivia on IMDb, and allegedly, the end of the film, Bronson was supposed to confront him, and they were supposed to have a bit of a tete-a-tete, hand to hand. Bronson wasn't real keen to wrestle with a nude bloke. Yeah, there, knob to knob. I thought for a, for a second there, I thought you were going to say Bronson was also going to be the nude. <laughs> it was going to be a Borat style. No, no, Bronson, Bronson, Bronson nicks that because he felt the other guy had the upper hand. He had three, <laughs> three weapons to, to swing around. <laughs> Oh shit! You have got to check this out. <laughs> yeah, I've got to. I have to have a It's it's one of the one of the best of the canon, the canon era. Yeah. And I was this close to jumping on some um, Chucky Norris Invasion USA. Oh, that'll be happening. And also, as I briefly mentioned to you, I have found a Robert Bronzy film on Amazon. So fucking <laughs> stay stay tuned for <laughs> stay that one. Tuned for Bronzy. Oh, I can't wait. And one thing that I we spoke about briefly about Charles Bronson was as he as he segued into the twilight of his career and life in the late eighties, the filmmakers seemed to want to have him running around a lot. A lot. He was asked to break into a trot regularly. If you ask Frankenstein to go for a run, this is what you're getting. <laughs> you're getting Bronson basically hobbling down the road. 
But he's I'm also like, the got this. 65. He's also break. got this signature style where his hands seem to be like grabbing at sort of invisible <laughs> handles and pulling himself along when he runs. It's, it's a very. It's a signature Bronson style. That <laughs> it's unique to Bronson only. Yeah, a lot of sort of. A lot of elbow. Uh, sorry, sorry, a lot of shoulder work back and forth and reaching and grabbing. And, oh, yeah. God. I mean, the guy, I know the guy was in good shape for a 65 year old, but. I said the same thing the other day and, you know, look, maybe I was slightly off my chops a little bit there when I said Stallone, one of the problems with Stallone in Rambo, Last Blood, is the guy's 70 years old. And and you can't show a 70-year-old guy getting the shit kicked out of him or fighting hand-to-hand Mate, or anything like that. when it's a cannon picture, no problem. There's no problem there. <laughs> yeah, that's because you, you chuck a stunt double in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We ask him to run. My favourite is the couple of times where he was asked to sort of fall over though and, and <laughs> pretend he tripped. It was, it was. Uh, I mean, he could sell it. He really could sell it, not effectively, but. <laughs> uh, but the only other thing I watched was the first episode of the Night Stalker documentary. Oh yeah, yep. Look, it looks solid, but I get this feeling that it's going to be a bit like the Ripper, where I'll be like, yeah, look, okay, but nothing special. Hmm. And I think that this is part of the problem with, and we talked about it the other a couple of episodes back, there is just so much, the market is so flooded by true crime that basically there is nothing new under the sun in in presenting it, and so it's no different from half the others. Correct. And that's what we've got, I think, in this case too. Yeah. Which is why we've said a number of times that Unsolved Mystery made such a big mistake in not fucking trekking into the, um, the wooded areas of uh, <laughs> of the bloody, states and hunting for Bigfoot. Yeah, Colorado bloody wilderness or something. Because yeah. I'll tell you right now, you've got my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have straight Just one there. episode. All you needed was one episode. I never laughed so hard in my life when you gave me that bloody Monster Hunters or whatever pack. <laughs> Yeah, and those dickheads reckon that Bigfoot rocked up in the middle of the night and started banging on their fucking cabin door. Yeah. And they had some hair. Yes. <laughs> just like, what? Yeah, I believe that hair tested to be um, dog hair or Non-human. something. Non-human. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. No, I think it um, <laughs> I think it tested to be wig hair. <laughs> <laughs> Shit gets me in the door though. Yeah, fucking oath. If you're well, saying you're going to present me with some Bigfoot footage, I'm there. Yeah, it'll get me in the door quicker than it'll get me in the door for another series of what they produced with uh, the latest episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Put it that way. Yeah, look, you know what? I reckon Unsolved Mysteries is done. I, I don't think we'll see a further run at it. I reckon we will because I think the ratings were still, well, the ratings, the Netflix. Viewing numbers were still there. Were they? I believe Jesus so. Christ, I think some people are too easily interested, like too easily entertained. Yeah. Because to me, there's a hell of a lot better stuff on Netflix itself, let yeah. alone other avenues to see it. But I mean, fuck, watch Tiger King again. Oh, yeah, well, you know, not to go <laughs> off on a tangent because this is going on for too long. <laughs> But why are we threatening to make a movie of Tiger King? 
didn't you just watch 10 episodes of the best fucking documentary that's been dished up in a while? We don't need a drama dramatisation of it. The documentary no. is fucking perfect. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be hard to um, do more than they did, surely. Yeah. And so what you're although, getting is some like, half-assed movie version that cuts half of it out. Yeah, although when you start throwing out names like Nicolas Cage, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm look, listening. Yeah, look, I'm listening. I'm definitely um, intrigued by <laughs> seeing what Nicolas Cage does. Yes. But it's the same as, you know, I think there was something else that was mentioned the other day that was a documentary series that they're going to try and make into a film. I'm like, well, why? Why are we doing this? Yeah. I guess um, sometimes people get sort of intrigued by this and want to want to make it, and that then they want to well, say they're going to look at it from a different angle or something. Well, that's it. I think they, I think they, just, they, they think they're just going to sell tickets because I think like certain docos, yeah, okay. Well, I'm happy to to see a dramatization of the stuff that you didn't see, but in something hmm. like Tiger King, I mean, there was fucking hours of the bloke on film, and like, <laughs> what didn't you see? I mean, when you when you uh, when you've got footage of him at a eulogy talking about the the recently deceased balls, I don't know how much <laughs> how much more we can get. Yeah, I think we've I think we've seen him in his absolute <laughs> best and worst. But <laughs> it's fair to say there's nothing that a film version could possibly add. Correct to it. Wasn't he a potential pardon candidate? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Jesus Holy Christ. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say, um, cooler heads prevail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <sighs> all right, all right. That was it. That was it for me. All right, let's take a break. Here's the trailer for 2018's Upgrade. Can I have everybody's attention? I'm looking for the guys who murdered my wife. (laughs) Are you one of them? Yeah. Stan, you can take over. Thank you. I now have full control. Hi. You upgraded. Now you're stronger. Faster. Better than everyone else. from 2018, written and directed by Lee Winnell, who wrote and directed The Invisible Man. It's produced by Jason Blum, who produced Halloween, Kylie Dufresne, who produced The Sapphires, and Brian Kavanagh-Jones, who produced Sinister. It stars Logan Marshall-Green as Grey Trace, Melanie Vallejo as Asher Trace, and Steve Danielson as Jeff Hadley. The budget was $5 million. And the box office was 16 million worldwide. The film was originally titled Stem, 
All right, this was the first time I'd actually seen this, Jared, so I'll go first on my my thoughts on this picture. Mm. Good solid three and a half out of five for me. It's not doing anything super new. It's taking some older sort of things and perhaps reworking them. But some of the choreography and the action stuff is just outstanding. Mm. Like, it is absolutely fantastic, some of the stuff they do. Some of the ideas are cool. They're not probably not fully fleshed out. And the character development perhaps not quite there. But overall, like, I really enjoyed it. And certainly the midpoint when he starts to go on a bit of a rampage, that stuff is just awesome. So I was really big on it. I gave it three and a half. I was pretty close to four at one point. The ending probably lets it down a little bit. But I was close to four. So I really enjoyed it. It was a good one to get on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Three and a half. I'd mentioned this a few times, and I think Gibbo may have mentioned it as well. He um, did, but yes. Yeah, I, I, was a, I was a big fan of it. it. It took me a while to check it out, but I picked it up on Blu-ray. I'd sort of avoided a lot about it. So when I watched it the first time, I was thoroughly impressed. I think the big thing is it brings up some ideas that it's not really wanting to go into. So that's probably a bit of a downer. It felt like it could have explored some of that a little more. But then the way that it goes about the action stuff, you can't really hold it against it. It's like it just wanted to set itself in this in this kind of setting and then go that action movie route and use the, the things that it brings in, the future and the AI and whatever, to facilitate some really awesome, awesome sequences. And at that, it succeeds. And, and that's really where the strength of it is. When you get down to it, the old revenge plot, really, as you, as you said, it, it, it kind of wraps up in a, in a fashion that's not... I didn't hate the ending but I yeah. was kind of looking for a little more from where we where we got to and you know it's hard it's hard not to look at what where it's set and what it could have done with some of the some of the um ideas that it brought up to to say that well you probably knock a little bit off the score for that because it probably could have delved into it a little deeper mm. but as you said a good solid three and a half really enjoyable definitely something you know I've I've seen it a couple of times now and it's definitely something I'd go back to in the future so Definitely. And look, you know, starting off starting off with what's good about it, the film looks great. Um, for yeah. a movie that's made for five million dollars, I mean you wouldn't you couldn't tell. Like, yeah. It, honestly, looking at it, if no one had told me it was worth five million, I would have guessed somewhere in the vicinity of twenty to twenty five. Mm. You know, I mean it looks yep. fantastic. And they squeeze every dollar out of that budget. Yeah, another Blumhouse effort, you know, just get everything you can out of the budget. Yeah. um, Don't don't go overboard with it. Yeah, like, so you wouldn't necessarily, like, looking at it, I would have said it was was more of a a higher-budgeted film, but I guess actually breaking it down, there's not a lot of, they don't show a lot of the future. No. They show a a couple of little shots and that's it. Yeah, and a lot of those those cool action sequences are, are in sort of, um, interior sort of locations, yeah, with not a lot of people involved in them. Like, so, yeah, it's, the main when car you look- chase is kind of up close and personal, using cars that are actually real. Like, you know, like he's driving yeah. a Mustang and she's driving a 
a police car that's actually a police car, not a self-driving vehicle. So I like that that was kind of included. And it cuts, it, it sort of, it, it all looks like sort of a chase on a bridge just somewhere. Mm. Yeah. So they really take their, they really work their, their, their money and they get a fantastic um, look to the film. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really, really solid. The fight choreography. Some of that stuff is the best stuff in the movie. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think the, the techniques they use in a lot of that choreography is what makes it stand apart and it really sells the whole AI controlling him angle. Mm. I like the way they've got the kind of camera. It almost like follows him all the time, yeah, like well, it's on him. It's got that, I, I can't remember what the sort of technique is, but it keeps his head sort of centred in the frame a couple of times and everything else is moving. Yeah. And it sort of just absolutely sells that, okay, he's gone into the mode where he's no longer in control. And it does that a couple of times. And then a couple of the fight sequences where, again, whenever he sort of bends over, the camera bends with him and sort of stays focused on him. Like, well, some of that stuff was fucking I, phenomenal. I read something in the trivia saying that they, what it was, was the camera was synced to a mobile and the mobile is on him in his pocket or in his, you know, tucked somewhere on him. So the camera is syncing to the mobiles and staying with him. Mm. That was kind of how they did it. And, you know, it's a really, really nice um, kind of wrinkle to your bog-standard sort of punch-up. The first biffo he has in that bloke's apartment mm. where he, um, he just dodges and, and ducks, bullet, uh, ducks the, the, the knife and everything and he's talking to Stem while it's all happening. At the same time, it's just really, really cool and he's just, you know, he just goes to town on the bike and then proceeds to fucking... <laughs> Basically decapitating. <laughs> yeah. But I just think that it's, an, it's, you know, like something like John Wick where you, you've got to bring, you, you bring something new to the table about how you do some of this stuff. Yeah. This kind of does that as well. It, it kind of brings in this really, really cool choreography that I think works and it works really well. The stiff movements, it's like a robot. Yeah, and it's sort of, it's funny. This is going to sound fucking... Silly again, but I, I compared it to parts of Venom because he's not only does uh, he look a little bit like Tom Hardy, but he's uh, the way that he's going through those motions. He actually does a bit of a he does a good job of selling. My body's moving independent of me wanting it to. Yeah. So he's kind of doing all this shit, and the look on his face says. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. And he's sitting there going, Stem, like what what the fuck? What are we doing? But obviously, as an actor, he's gotta he's gotta be doing all that. So I would say in that regard it probably works a little more successfully than, than Venom, but it was kind of it was kind of similar in parts where he's doing this sort of acting performance in the midst of this this raging blue, you know? Yeah. And I yeah, you know, I really like some of that stuff. It was really, really good. So I like the futuristic world. They kind of flesh it out very briefly with a couple of shots, you know, self-driving cars, Eron's weird sort of house where he lives and all that sort of stuff. So they don't they don't sort of go overboard because obviously they haven't got a lot of money to do that. But they sell it quickly. They also tell explain to us what STEM can do in a very short, succinct conversation. Yeah. Don't waffle on and just fill your head with all this bullshit so you're confused. 
as to what it is. So I think yeah, that, that was a nice touch. You've, you've just got to get that. Because get that shit out of the way. Don't bother me with tons of exposition about it. No, and it's, uh, I mean, obviously we've spoken about, you know, the concerns about sort of technology and, and that sort of thing are obviously pretty fertile ground. You know, you go back to movies like Terminator, um, you know, real successful ones like Terminator and Robocop and Maximum Overdrive. And, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I think it does a reasonable job of putting its concerns out there. It's fairly surface level, but mm. it does it pretty quickly. But you see, you know, his wife basically handing her life over to technology while he sort of... Isn't. Um, yeah, he won't. Isn't. But then very quickly he just becomes a passenger and everything he's doing is controlled by the tech and then lets it into his body and he's no longer in charge. And, I mean, it's all pretty surface level stuff, but the whole... Just that idea in general is pretty fertile ground for a solid little piece of sci-fi sort of action work. Yeah, that's right. I really like the idea that I actually love the fact that STEM kind of provides almost like a little bit of exposition, a little bit of uh, pushes him in the right direction. He's like he's yeah, he's like that devil on his shoulder type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I like the idea that it talks, you know, like initially when I... When they implanted, I just assumed he just became the robot and there was no, you know, there was no talk inside his head. Yeah. But I actually thought that was a really good idea. Yeah, and it works. I mean, it's used to, to good effect in a couple of particular scenes. I mean, number one, you get you get a bit of an idea of, of his, well, I guess I like the way they portrayed him sort of getting into these situations reluctantly at first. Yeah. But then, you know, he, he, the end goal is something that he wants, so he goes along with it. But as you said, Stem's kind of the, you know, let me push let him me a little take bit control, by a little yeah. bit, let me take control. And I think they were also wise with whoever provided Stem's voice because we've actually got like a point of reference now. Mm. And those it fits with those AI voices you hear on like Siri and Google and Alexa and all that. Whoever provided the voice did a pretty good job with that. But there is one particular part that I really liked as well where, and I think they could have got a bit more mileage out of it, but where Stem is almost narrating what the detective's doing. Yes. When the detective comes to visit him and he's like, she's checking your boot print. Look at her because, you you know, when you look away, you seem guilty and things like that. I yeah. thought that right there was something I could have done with a little bit more of. But, yeah, as you said, it, it all fit nicely into this, this dynamic between Stem and Grey. Yes. And I like the fact that they basically, Stem insinuates, we can't go to the police because you signed a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. You can't tell them what, what they put in you. Yeah, all um, that setup of him being in the wheelchair, having that non-disclosure, it's just a neat little way to, to package that all up. And it yeah. again, you know, it, it throws another complication in for him that the detective is onto him. Yeah. And I do like, yeah, I did like a couple of those sequences where she comes to see him and that particular one where he is, Stem is basically talking him through how to be interviewed. Yeah. It's a really good way to do it. The it fight is. in the toilet. Yeah. Where he absolutely touches up like fucking four blokes. <laughs> yep. That's great. Yeah, and he again he's talking his way through it. 
you know, and he's quipping and he's, you know, he's starting to get a little cocky. Yeah. With what he can do, which sort of comes back later, which I liked, with regards to how he deals with Fisk. Yes. Later on. And I really, that's the other thing I really loved was the idea of the guns implanted in their arm. I thought that was an excellent idea. Yeah. Strange, they, but really um, intriguing. Again, I felt like they probably could have used it a little more, but I did really like, I did really like that. I, I also was, uh, I was happy to see um, Kenny's brother serving drinks in the bar. Is that Kenny's brother? Clayton Jacobson, yeah. Right. So he was serving drinks. I, I I was waiting for Kenny to walk out of the crapper and go, yeah. oh, there's a smell in there that'll outlast religion or something <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah, come out talking about, oh, there's another classic example of someone having a two-inch asshole and us having installed a one-inch pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, but he actually, I actually really liked his uh, delivery of the line at the, when he kind of walks in and he goes, Ugh. And then he looks over his shoulder. He goes, "I'm going to need a phone and a fucking mop." Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pretty good stuff. I yeah. also love the way they shot that bit where he he let Stem cut that bloke up and torture him on the ground. Yeah, that was and they actually don't what... show it. They just have him. It's obvious he doesn't want to see it. Yeah, that was and actually just... my favorite part of the scene. It was almost like this. Sort of good cop, bad cop situation, but in his own body. Yeah. Um, and Stem's and, cutting him up and he's looking away. Yeah. Desperately um, trying to avoid having to see it. And I did, I, I kind of like it because, as you said, like he's he's not, he doesn't have the stomach for it, but he's desperate to find out what happened to his wife. Yeah. It's all fun. He's making those fun, you know, those kind of gags. And then when it comes to that, He's kind of look as you said. They stay on his face, and he's looking away and doesn't want to bar of it, and then mm. continues on. I, I, I really, yeah, I dug that. I like the little Easter egg at the uh, hacker's apartment when he goes to the hacker to try and get override the signal, so mm-hmm. he doesn't cut him off. If you notice, when he goes up to the front door to ring the hacker's apartment, it's got all the other apartments enlisted. On the on the wall there, who's yep. in? And one yep. of them is Jay Wan. He's oh, listed didn't as being that. one of the apartment dwellers. So I thought that was a cool little Easter egg to show yep. it, throw in James Wan, because obviously those two created Saw and Insidious and all that stuff. So nice little mm. shout out to his mate. Yep. Nice well, touch. Yeah, I liked the idea of being able to see someone's memories play in playback, almost like CCTV. Yeah. And they kind of get that guy's memories and, and check to see who he, who he dealt with. I'd still like to know how he did it, but uh, it, it, it worked a little better than it did in Wild Wild West, that's for sure. Oh, was that in my <laughs> Stay tuned. We need to get to that because that, that's got some shit in it. But... Yeah. Um, is that the, yeah, again, side note, is that the one where Ted Levine's got a fucking, fucking, it looks like a gramophone head hanging out of his, head, his ear? Yeah, I think so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good shit. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. But, yeah, look, they don't explain how. They kind of don't No, but it's, it's another one of those situations where you don't really need it. 
Initially, I thought he was still alive. Yeah. So they were just kind of, you know, accessing it from his brain somehow. But again, again don't ask me. Don't ask me to go too deep into how I thought that was that was what was happening. I'm just fucking, you know, I'm just throwing ideas against the wall here. I'm just yeah. spitballing. And again, he was he was altered. Yes. So that was something that we knew. So you didn't have to ask too many questions about it. It was just a yeah. sound idea that yeah, something he's different. So is Fisk. Yeah. So is Gray. You know, there's something going on. You know, this is how they're all connected. Um, yep. Okay, they're kind of robotic in some capacity. So mm. I can kind of buy into it. I just like the way it, it just quickly gives us a quick understanding of how they track him down or who he is. Yeah, like, exactly. They work out yeah. who he is. Yeah, that it was way. nice and nice and neat. Yeah, neat. My favourite bit of STEM work is when he turns that guy's fucking handgun on his own head <laughs> basically oh, yeah, blows a clean was... off. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> he just kind of twists I mean, it back in his face. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of, again, you, we were well aware that that's what was going on, but it was just something a little unexpected. Yeah. We just, you know, stems in the flow of it, and then he just grabs his elbow and, and then bang. It was just, yeah, it was just another very cool way to use the things you'd established yeah. to give us something just a little bit different. And it it was only... Uh, it was only about 30 seconds before that Fisk shooting through the elevator. Yeah. Which, again, I fucking loved it because it was just using, yeah, we're doing this action, these action movie things, but we're doing them, you know, he's using those abilities to see where the elevator is and then bang, bang, just yeah, two people gone like that before the sequence even starts, just playing with our expectations a little bit. I thought that was really cool. Again, and I think they did that predominantly throughout pretty well. Yeah. They yeah, kept it was just just playing things enough. Well, going even going right back to the start, like number one, I love the shot of the accident, how the car inside the car sort of stayed stationary. Yeah, but then you see him flipping around and whatever. But as soon as the bad guys are on the scene, again, the expectation is when Fisk starts talking, it's going to be a little bit prolonged, hmm. and then he just bang, just shoots Asher just like that. Yeah. And so when you first saw that, it was like, oh shit. You know, playing with our conditioning to expect, oh, here's the the, the fucking long-winded villain just just going to blurt something out and it's going to take a while, but it doesn't. Yeah. And then it, I love the way he just kind of goes till death do his part and fucking walks off. Hmm. Like I just felt from the start that, especially Fisk, I was I was a bit of a fan of his performance. I've got a little bit of little bit of a dislike about the arc of the character overall, but I was I, I liked what he brought to it. Yeah, agreed. I really liked the car chase between him and Detective Cortez and how mm. Stem takes over another vehicle. Yeah, that was to awesome. Put her out of commission by basically reversing it into her. Again, the 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 way it was shot was, you know, nice and clean, you know, it was fast and exciting. They it, it didn't even go too overboard with the cuts and stuff. There's a lot of clean yeah. sort of shots that are longer than normal in that type of environment, and then just adding stem saying, oh, I think I can help. felt like I did recognise parts of that road too. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember exactly where it's shot. I would like to look it up because I looked at it and thought, I'm pretty sure I've seen parts of that road. But then again, there's a few there's a few roads that look like that around the Melbourne area. Um, 
But yeah, definitely saw the Balti Bridge in there. That was something. Yeah, <laughs> that was in there. Melbourne was a pretty good place to set it, I think, because yeah. the parts of it they used suited this, the future but not too far kind of setting that they were going for. Yeah, which I dug. Not too mm. much over the top. No flying cars or any of that sort of shit. And it was mostly grounded in some kind of reality. Yeah. The situations. Uh, and the, the, the thing that didn't ground it was everybody involved had some kind of implant in them. Mm. So I liked that. And, you know, the places where he went to fight blokes are basically just scummy bars and shitty apartments. It wasn't yeah. like futuristic set places. So I liked that. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. I, I thought the final fight between him and Fisk was pretty good. The idea that he couldn't kind of get through, like it was the tactical options that Stem's throwing out there mm. and he can't even lay a hand on him and then he kind of grays the one who kind of finishes it. Yeah, so gets the human element involved. Yeah. That and sort of... I kind of like yeah. that again coming back to him, perhaps kind of shaking off Stem for a brief period. Yeah, yeah. I thought those that, that, that were they were good ideas, and they kind of kind of came back nicely on themselves. And my last like was, although I wasn't a huge fan of the ending, I did like the idea that kind of that Stem has been controlling as spoilers, which again it'll be a dislike, which I explained, but he's controlling Eron. And has been the whole time and yeah. has been controlling Grey and now Grey, he kind of basically just almost lobotomizes Grey, puts yeah, him away I, in his mind and then just heads off to do more. I did like that aspect. I, did, I didn't mind that he sort of got basically locked away in his own head. Yeah. I thought that was a solid idea. It just idea. felt like, it, yeah, I think there's a dislike to it. it. Just even though I didn't mind that part, that, that Stem walked away, it did feel like it was lacking in some way. Like it just didn't feel like the sort of grand slam ending that you were, you were sort of hoping for. Yeah. But yeah, oh. I was I was pretty satisfied enough to have the kind of downer ending of him being trapped in his head and then Stem walking away. Now, do you have any other likes, mate? No, that was uh, nah, that was it for me. Yeah. Well, look, sliding straight into the dislikes, and I think I'll I'll, I'll start with the reason why I think the ending struggles. Um, a little bit for me. It's the relationship between him and his wife. It's kind of non-existent. Yeah. It's it's, it's, very it's sort of touched on very early on. It's a handful of scenes at best, and it doesn't convince that you would want to get revenge like this. Yeah, it's not... I, I hear what you're saying. There's a lack of kind of emotion to it all, and it feels like there should be because we're trying to – we've got this battle between the human and the robot, and yeah. obviously we've just established with the bad guy that the difference is there's a, there's an emotional element. There's, there's a connection to other people and the feeling and whatever that stem – for whatever reason, doesn't seem to develop, even though they say he can learn anything or whatever at the start. Yeah. He doesn't seem to develop those those emotions or, or have any interest in the connections. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it felt like there should have been something a bit stronger there. 
Yeah, because it's not the, certainly not the actors' fault because the actors are fine. It's just that, I mean, you could have even gone 10 minutes longer at the front yeah, and just possibly. given me some, some depth about their relationship. But there was kind yeah. of nothing. Like, even that opening sequence where she comes home and he's working on his car and everything like that, it just doesn't... Like, there's nothing, like... It, and I know this is cliche, but a lot of movies, when they're doing this kind of thing, is they give you a a memory or a a situation that the, 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 the pair are in that makes them in love or whatever, you know? Yeah. They kind of preface this by saying they're in love because of this. This just kind of glossed right over it. And whether or not that's because they were trying to showcase that he's kind of the human, still the human sort of guy with the you know normal car and everything. She's kind of attached to tech and she's a little bit cold or something. Like, I don't, I don't really know what they were trying to achieve. Yeah, but, I mean, even then, you just kind of said it. If she's got an attachment to the tech, then... Surely you can connect that somehow, can't yeah. you? Like it's everything else is he's now fucking up to his ass in, in the tech. Like there could classic, have been something there. Like, classic example, mate. And one of the better ways this is done was probably less than they ever had in here is Robocop. Yeah. Hey, you don't see his wife or his son. They do not interact with Murphy ever mm. in that film. That it is nothing but memories that they showcase. Yeah. And they, it works. But I guess I think this ties into my dislike around that any of the statements on technology are very surface level and then they're, they're, they're sort of just Just left. pushed. Yeah. I mean, you get the basic message again that the tech is, is using us and, you know, you've got to be careful with it, whatever. I mean, I actually read a comparison to Robocop that raised a really good point about how Robocop, number one, it's got that satire element, but number two, when it comes to the character of Robocop, it's actually a really solid exploration of what makes you human. Yeah. And the difference between the human and the machine. And I think you've kind of pinpointed where not doing that kind of results in struggling to finish it off. Well, that's right. With the heightened kind of emotions and, yeah. He's now in his head with her, yep. but there's no pay because I don't believe that that relationship is there. Yeah. And as we said, you know, it, it's not, I'm not saying it's, I mean, the, I think the movie felt pretty solid as, as an actioner with, with these elements in it. Yeah. But to really kind of elevate above anything more than that, you kind of needed to explore that a little bit more. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. I just didn't buy that relationship all that much. It didn't dull the film greatly, but it's one of its weaknesses. And the second weakness for me was the mystery element that they... I mean, I don't think they're trying that hard with the mystery stuff. No. But there's still a detective on the case. There's still moments where you're wondering who did this and why. Yeah. And when you get to it, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's right. It felt like we needed a a bigger sort of kicker at the end, a bigger twist. And, I mean, you could see that Eron was involved from fucking minute one. 
Yeah. The, the, the twist is that STEM has been controlling him. Yeah. But even then, it's, it just doesn't have a lot of payoff. No. And they kind of flash back to a few sequences to show you that STEM was leading him around. It almost would have worked better if they had just done almost like a, I don't know, like a usual suspects. Yeah. Like that you don't find out that STEM was doing it all along until he locks him in his own mind and walks off. Yeah. Or something. Or um, something of that nature. You didn't know that STEM had any involvement with Iran. You know, it wasn't in Yeah. Him. You know, that kind of thing could have worked. I also felt like the bit at the end with Fisk and the talk about you're one of us now and all this sort of stuff, I felt like that could have been explored a little bit more to yeah. the ending. Because he makes because mention of we brought you into our... Into our, um, I can't remember the word he uses, but basically you're one of us. And essentially he's saying we, we kind of brought you into being a, a robot, essentially. Yeah. I actually, I kind of got, just in that sequence before they finish it all off, I kind of just got these, just these little flashes of kind of Blade Runner type yeah. vibes. I thought, oh, did we did we wipe him out too quickly? Could he have been part of the ending somehow? And yeah, I don't know. But you know, I haven't thought too deeply about how that would work. But I just felt again. I think I, I was only thinking about that because you know I knew that ending was coming and it wasn't quite what we wanted. Yeah, a little disappointing. I think I'd yeah. say not yeah. hugely disappointing because I think the film is more of an action film where we aren't going to go too deep. Like yeah 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 the interesting part yeah when we talk about RoboCop is in at first glance RoboCop would have been seen as a schlocky B action film but when you look at RoboCop even today it still crackles with fucking satire and you know it still has relevance to what it was saying yeah. even back yep. then plus all the great action scenes, plus the violence, plus, you know, all those things. Whereas mm. this has kind of got half of what Robocop had, which is the, the top-class action stuff and all that, but it doesn't go deep enough into what it... Yet it probably has more fertile ideas and current well, I think, ideas yeah, I think that could have been really sort of mined. Yeah, they could have been. there could have been a bit more to it. I mean, it just, yeah, like, going into the whole AI thing, I mean, we we said it had it had some really awesome moments of using that, like you said, the devil on the shoulder and that he lost control of it and, and whatnot. It just felt like there could have been something more to really push it over the edge to a kind of four, four-and-a-half-star movie pretty easily. Mm. Exactly, and that's what keeps it out of that high echelon. It sacrifices the ideas for the visceral For some of the action. Yeah, 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 right. The only other thing I had was I just the, the, the performance of Eron just didn't... It just didn't, didn't do sit it for well. you? Yeah, it didn't sit well for me. I know it was kind of meant to be kind of like Steve Jobs or something like that, a strange, like, you know, super smart but socially awkward type of yep. guy. But there was just something about the performance that I just, it felt cold, it felt pretty lacklustre. I think, you know, a better performance there could have perhaps hidden some of the, we know it's going to be him. 
Yeah, possibly. Although, you know, there's no other options. <laughs> yeah, no well, that's options. the thing. It's, it's such a small, it's a relatively small cast. Yeah. I mean, you, I know, mean, it's not Ken, you know it's not Kenny's brother. <laughs> no, left with no. about, what, five other people? You know the one thing I was initially thinking might have been going on, but it wasn't? I thought the detective might have been a, a flip. She was a, a robot too. Well, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you're kind of looking for in the ending, Archer. Like something like that, the surprise. Because it wasn't really a surprise anywhere. Yeah. Rather than the, the surprise is Stem was controlling you all along, but you sort of even... I mean, you could... You kind of were half expecting that sort of stuff too. Yeah. Everything was fairly telegraphed. Yeah. To the end. And that's part of... I guess a small budget, a small cast. Yeah. You're not. It limits you in ways, I guess. Yeah, and that's where it's limited. You have no yeah. other options other than Eron. He has to be involved in some way. He's this weird fucking dude that we saw from minute one who was a bit shady. Yeah. And he's the guy who put that chip in your neck. So he has to be involved somehow. So I, th- I, f- I just felt let down by the ideas not being mined enough to give us more. Like, mm. that movie could have done with another five million bucks in the kitty. Yeah, possibly. But, I mean, even at the start, I guess you've got to have the story to justify that. And if, if there wasn't – if this stuff was was where it is on the screen at the end, you know, after they've shot it all, yeah, is it going to help? Yeah, true. Um, yeah, maybe more on the page they needed to flesh some of that stuff out. I mean, it could have yeah, probably perhaps. been a little longer for me. Yeah, I well, I think they're to talking about fifteen minutes. Yeah, I think they're talking about doing a TV show now, aren't they? Oh, really? Or possibly taking it into a TV show. Well, that could, um, could work. Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to to have a look at that. You could kind of build the build the world out a little bit. Agreed. Now, did you have any other dislikes? Oh, I just had a couple of minor things that I noted. First one, why the fuck does a protein sh- shake look like a glass of bloody murky urine or something? Fuck. <laughs> 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 <Like, laughs> the future. I, didn't know, I know it's the future, but I didn't ask for the bloody Bear Grylls special. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. ask for a protein yeah, shake. Yeah, like. listen, don't fucking give me a glass of piss. I said a protein <laughs> shake. <laughs> Did you not hear me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have trouble with my Google understanding me sometimes too, but yeah, I said protein shake, not glass of piss. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the the couple of times I was a bit sort of like, ah, oh, would the cops have noticed this sort of stuff? Like mm. watching it back this time, I was I was in the mindset of you know I know Stem's controlling it all and trying to trying to place the pieces where he wants them, but would the cops have not noticed there was no gun? Because it seems like when it's brought to his attention. He just zooms in, and it's pretty clear there's no gun. Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, would that be something they might, you know, you, you can imagine if they're cops, they've got this, they might have watched the video and zoomed in on each person or something like yeah. that. So I was sort of looking at that like, oh, okay, if it was that easy for him. I also didn't love the particular line, which I yeah. felt was a bit of a stinker, was uh, 
So you thought I was an invalid, but you didn't know that I was a fucking ninja? Yeah. It doesn't come out well. And I kind of no. get what they're going for. I, I feel like they, they're trying to get him to be this kind of, the confidence is kind of bubbling now that he can see, he's seen what Stem can do after the first fight yeah. and he's kind of going along with it. I kind of get it. They want him to kind of make a bumbling sort of hero, hero or bumbling attempt at a hero line, but it just comes out really badly. And it almost like, in an otherwise really good scene, it sticks out like dog's balls. So, yeah, I wasn't real pleased with that. And the other one was, I know Gray has the experience driving the cars, hmm. but Stem is pretty clearly better at every everything else. He's fucking obviously quicker. He's obviously thinking quicker. So why would he need Gray to take over when they're driving? Yeah. Oh, I missed something there, I but he's like, you need to take over. Throw that was to sort him of, yeah, the vehicle. It was sort of like, yeah, you know, but I'm sort of, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I mean, fuck. You've seen what he can do, how quick he can move, re- reactions, all the shit you would need to be a good driver. So I'm yeah. pretty sure he's got you covered on yeah, this one. Yeah, exactly. I think he's um, a far better candidate to drive the vehicle. Yeah, and I actually was looking forward to that because I wanted to see, again, that shit applied to a car chase. I was hoping for, could we do the same sort of thing with a car chase, give this mechanical aspect to the driving? I I kind of felt like that that was a chance to do a little bit more with that. Yeah. Other than that, I didn't really have a whole lot of issues with it. I mean, it's a very enjoyable film. Very entertaining. It's not one that had been on the radar. Put it that way. Yeah. So it's good to come across something like that and say, well, you know, that was a really, really good film. Just not quite there at the, yet it had the fertile ground to be really, really interesting. Yeah, but that's it right. Didn't, it didn't go for it, which is disappointing. Yeah, it's sort of one of those ones where you're picking out the dislikes because you really just sort of, you you wanted it to be a great film because you enjoyed it so much. Yeah, agreed. Then there was room to be a great film, but it yeah. just didn't quite stretch to that, which is slightly disappointing. But that is Upgrade. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. As I said before, we've got a letterbox account, so check us out on there. Uh, we're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, Podomatic at thrillme.net com and we're on Instagram at Thrill Me Podcast. Next episode, Jared, we already teased this, so I'm not going to muck around here. Best of the best, one and two. Is that correct? Oof. We're going to do a double bill. Double bill. Um, part four. I, I was going to, you know what? I was going to throw this at you. Triple bill. <laughs> yeah, but if we were going to do that, we'd need to seek out part three and just make it a four part. Anyone got part three? Come on. <laughs> I'm, sure we, can, I'm sure we can find it somewhere. <laughs> it's probably on YouTube. That's where I haven't looked. Yeah, it Shit. might pop up there. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.